Another reason is like you know because like to see other people do it, to see it work, you know, it it encourages you. Yeah. And like, and I think it's ultimately a good thing. You know, like I know I gave kind of a cynical answer, but like. Um, I think it's ultimately a good thing because, like, I don't think I realize, like, that, like, I have, like, some weird shame associated with, like... Dude, me you know. fucking too. Yeah. Me like, too. you know, like, because it's, like, do you bring it... If you bring it up, are you exploiting yourself, you know, like, in your identity? You know, like, yeah. that's that's the thing that always had rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Or if you, if you bring it up, even if you're bringing it up in a truly honest yeah. way that's real to you and is doing something for yeah. you... Are they that are watching this or whatever the industry, the mm-hmm. people, power brokers, yeah. like are they exploiting it? New York, I know you have Yeah. Every morning that I wake up, I think about my Humans, welcome back to La Mescla. I'm so happy to be back this week. I'm really excited for this episode. Uh, this one is getting released on my birthday, uh, October 23rd. Uh, so if you feel like doing something for my birthday just go right on itunes just search for la mezcla uh, a conversation with mixed race americans and um, leave a, a, a rating and a review uh, that would be very nice for me my guest today is the brilliant andrew colson andrew is a cuban-american comedian writer and actor uh, you can see him uh, doing stand-up all over the city he also writes a lot of sketch uh, he wrote a series, an indie series called Eno Badaniak Private Eye, uh, and that was an official script selection at the New York Television Festival. Uh, Andrew's a super, super funny, delightful, sweet guy with, uh, I think, a really, really unique voice. So if you ever get the chance to see him perform, I, I highly suggest that you go. Uh, Andrew and I, coincidentally, uh, co-host a, a comedy variety show here in New York City at Lucky Jack's every month called Oh, yo, yo. So uh, if you're interested in seeing us do some comedy, you should check that out. Uh, Andrew's a total delight, and this was a great conversation. Hope you enjoy. From the ground and of all that I know, I promise you this. Material shit don't make you rich. Coisa material é um vício que não define quem é rico. Vamos lá, então. Cool. So, hi, so what happened? Why were you late? Huh? You were late to this. Has this begun now? Of course it has. Oh, okay. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew was late. Actually. I was late because, well, I woke up at 11.20. I put you on the spot. And you booked this room today for 11.30. That's correct. And I did tell you yesterday, though, that I would confirm in the morning. Right. You did say it would be 11-ish. Yeah. Um, so, so this is on you. I didn't set an alarm because I went to bed at 2 last night, so I just slept nine and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a more than I would anticipate. Like, I just anticipated myself waking up naturally at 10. Of course. I'm a bit of a natural waker-upper. You thought you were going to have a beautiful, like, wake-up on your own biological right. rhythm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to go organic with it, you know? <laughs> like, don't do alarms. Andrew, it's so good to see you. Good to see you, too. It's really fun to see you in this context because we do so many other things together in other contexts. Yeah, we do. I'm happy to have you here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, too. I will. Say, I want to warn the people listening to this that uh, I promise I'm not saying this just to like suck your dick. Okay. But like uh, Andrew Colson is somebody who can make me laugh literally by doing anything. So like this, I'll this is going to be audio wise a very messy episode for me 
personally because I will be laughing a lot. Okay, well, I'll try and not make you laugh. No pressure. I'm going to do my best. I'll try to stick to the sad stuff. How about it? <laughs> do you see what I mean, everybody? Do you see what I mean? It's effortlessly charming. Uh, okay, great. Andrew Colson, thank you so much for being here. Let's thank start. Uh, let's start like with the basics. Where are you okay. from? I'm from uh, Richmond, Virginia. I'm like or like outside of Richmond from a town called Mechanicsville. And that's uh, a real thing. Yeah, that's a real thing. Wow. Yeah, it's like a Civil War town. Everything in the Ooh. South. I mean, especially in Virginia and Richmond course. area, everything is is Civil War. Are there a lot of like Confederate monuments and stuff? Uh, yeah, Holy yeah, yeah. Shit. Richmond, Virginia, famously has Monument Row, and it's just a bunch of Confederate soldiers on Monument Avenue that goes through the center of Richmond. Wow. Um, it's got like you know like Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, yeah. um, just. Uh, like all of them was like there Stewart and then eventually Arthur Ashe who was oh, there in like the 90s <laughs> yeah, that's so um, weird yeah. was there a point because I know like you know Ryan Leach right yeah 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 we went to high school together oh I didn't realize you went to the same high in school in middle school we were like theater kids oh shit so he and weird. I did like all the plays together because I've talked to him before um uh, and I'm always curious to, about people who grew up in that neighborhood. Like, mm-hmm. there was a point where you learned about what those people really stood for and what they really did. But yeah. Was was it before that? Like, before you learned that, were those statues just like, oh, those are the fun like heroes of our town? Like, those people were never the fun heroes of my town. Got it. Uh, for me, at least. I mean, for like some people, sure. I mean, a lot of people, yeah. they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I still have friends who are like. Like, when the whole Confederate statues being taken down, like, they would post these, like, long statuses being, like, these were the people I looked up to and admired. And, you know, like, and, like, I don't relate to that at all because, like, my mom, like, grew up in Chicago. Her parents are from Cuba. And so, like, um, when she moved to – she moved to Richmond, Virginia, like, in the mid-'80s. And, like, she, like, always told us the story of, like, when she first moved here, asking her teacher, like, uh, were there two civil wars? Because, like, <laughs> and she wasn't even being sarcastic. She actually genuinely asked. She was like, was there another civil war? Because it's completely oh different God, here. That's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Wow. So since we gently touched on Cuba, let's just yeah. get into your, right. your mix. What's your mix? My mix is uh, it's half Cuban, half like Appalachian hillbillies. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. As yeah. you as I've seen you put it in stand up sets, uh, half Cuban, half white trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the the funnier, less polite way of phrasing it. <laughs> Uh, that's cool. So which side is which? Uh, my dad's side is the white side, and my mom's side is the Cuban side. Got it, got yeah. it, got it. And how did, they, how did they get together? They met in high school at, like, a track meet or a cross-country meet. Got it. Um, Where? In Virginia? In Virginia, yeah, got yeah. Um, so yeah. your your mom's parents are mm-hmm. the immigrants, or what, what, yeah. how many generations are uh, I guess I'm second generation, right? Right. I never know. I never know because my mom is the immigrant, but I think I'm second generation. I, I think know. you would be first generation. I guess, yeah. If your mom was the, if your mom like immigrated here from Peru. Okay, yeah, that's good to clarify. Yeah. That's something I definitely should have known before starting a podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get to learn all the vocabulary, my man. Got yeah. It. So um, what? So how do your grandparents get here? What's, um, what's their deal? Uh, they came like after the fall of communism. Yeah, like, um, like the real hardcore shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they were. Because they were too old to be on, like, the Pedro Pan, like, planes, you know? But, like, mm-hmm. their younger siblings came on those planes. Wow. Um, and then, like, they just kind of, like, immigrated. I don't know the exact stories of how they got to the United States. Mm-hmm. I know that, like, 
for both of them, their siblings ended up like they because they were both like 17, 19, 20, like when they came, my abuelo and abuela. That's crazy to think and then, about, right? Yeah, I know. And like they didn't know each other in Cuba. They met in Chicago. Mm. But like they both ended up in Chicago for the same reason, which is that they both had a younger sister who ended up in Chicago. Whoa. And so then like when they got to the United States, like U.S., uh, I guess like immigration was just like, you want to be in Miami, right? Right. And <laughs> I'm imagining, imagining like a 1940s immigration agent being like, yeah. you're going to Miami. Well, right? it would be the 1960s. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. But I can't do it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, the Cuban Revolution famously happened in 1959. Um, <laughs> Straight up roasting me for my lack of knowledge on the Cuban Revolution. It's all right. Nobody knows everything. Um, <laughs> Most people don't know any of this stuff. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. But yeah, but so then they came to Chicago. um, Yeah, and then like both of them were like raising their like little siblings kind of on their own. Got it. Yeah. And what did they do for work? Do you know? Um, I think like when they first got there, they were like, they just did a bunch of odd jobs, you know, like they were like jewelers and, um, you know, like. Taxi driving, but eventually they both ended up working at the Western Electric Factory, um, which in is Chicago. Like, yeah, in Chicago at like the Hawthorne plant. Got it. Um, the Hawthorne plant is like a famous factory, uh, just because like they have like um, I forget what the exact tests are, but like they've done like social experiments on this factory, like that date back to like the early what? like I'm nineteen looking, dates back to like nineteen twelve. I'm looking this. Up. It's called like the Hawthorne experiment. Um, I remember one time, like, I, like, heard that, and I remember, because my, my abuelo learned English in Cuba, but then, like, struggled with, like, the accents of America, and, like, so he has a story about, like, him looking for Hawthorne, and, Whoa. like, somebody, like, pronouncing it with, like, a thick accent as, like, I can't even remember what the mispronunciation, or, like, the weird accented pronunciation is, that's but so they pronounced funny. Hawthorne weird, and he, like... <laughs> thinks they're talking about a different place. Oh, that's amazing. That's how that story goes. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. ready? So it's okay. called the Hawthorne Effect. Okay. So the Hawthorne Effect, also referred to as the Observer Effect, is a type of reactivity in which individuals modify an aspect of their behavior in response to their awareness of being observed. Mm-hmm. So, like, basically, like, you adjust your behavior based on who's watching. You. Right, like if you're on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> normally this conversation would be way weirder if yeah. there was not a microphone here. We'd, never, we'd need, like, ten minutes to Google it on our phone. <laughs> and then we'd be like, what were we talking about? That's right. And then we'd, like, go smoke weed somewhere. Hell yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the original research at the Hawthorne Works in Cicero, Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, on lighting changes and work stretcher changes, such as working hours and break times, were originally interpreted by Elton Mayo and others to mean that paying attention to overall worker needs would improve productivity. So it's basically just uh, uh, the ruling class figuring out, like, we should care a little bit more about our workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like the study where they were like, oh, if we had unions, the people would be happier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good on your grandparents for being around for that. Yeah, and my abuela was, like, big into the union. Like, he was, like, a union guy, like, um, he used to, like, travel with the union all the time. And actually, like, when he moved to Richmond, Virginia, I think he became pretty high up on the union because, like, the union has elections. Right. And in Virginia, 
um, they don't like unions. Um, sure. And so, like, they had, like, basically designed the factory so that it was 50% black and 50% white. Wow. So that, like, they this intentionally... Is in Virginia. In Virginia, yeah. So they intentionally designed, like, their employeeship to be like that um, so that... Like the racism between black and white people in Virginia would prevent them from unionizing, and That's so then amazing. when my abuelo when my abuelo came, he's like the only brown guy there, and then he you can know, unite everyone. He's able to unite everyone. That's amazing. Yeah, and so then like it kind of got him like way up in the leadership of the That's union amazing. in Richmond. Yeah. What's your abuelo's name? Uh, Raulin. Raulin. Good for Raulin. Yeah, Raulin and Gulo. That's a pretty, uh, I think, powerful and, like, universal, whether you're a first-gen, second-gen, third-gen immigrant, that ability to, like, walk between two worlds and be able to, like, speak to two different worlds Mm -hmm. of people. I feel that way, personally. Obviously on a much lower stakes scale than, like, unionizing (laughs) factory I know, I know, I know. (laughs) But that's so, so cool. I know, yeah. So that's why they moved to Virginia work. Yeah, they moved to Virginia for work because, like, the factory was downsizing, and I think it was, like, they could either go to Oklahoma or Richmond, Virginia, and they decided to go to Richmond. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Yeah. And then your mother is born there. No. My mom was born in Chicago. Oh, okay. While they were still Yeah, because my grandparents, uh, my abuela and abuela got married in 1968. My mom was born in 1969. They moved to Richmond, Virginia around like 1984, 1985. Got it. Right around the time that the Bears won the Super Bowl. Oh, good. Uh, That's a reference that I would get. (laughs) Huge. They famously won in 1985. That's the Mike Ditka (laughs) thing, right? I know Mike Ditka is from comedy. Uh, nah. Nah, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, cool. So then let's cut to uh, you being born. Yeah. So since your mom is the one who has this Cuban heritage, I I guess I'm curious too, in her childhood, like how much are her parents and how much is she trying to preserve the Cuban-ness? Of, of your family. She's, she's not trying to preserve it. Like, yeah. I mean, like, in a way she is. You know, like, we preserve it. There, there's natural things that you do that move culture, like, you know, yeah. forward and, like, uh, sustain it. Like, there wasn't a lot of pressure to be, like, you you know, like, you need to do things the Cuban way. There wasn't, right. like, this, like, massive insecurity yeah. about being Cuban. Like, right. it's just I just like, find it so interesting how different families will manifest that right. culture differently. Yeah. Because like I do know people whose parents were, like, you are Venezuelan and you will oh, do it this way. Totally, you know I mean? totally. It wasn't like that in my family. And for us, it was kind of like, you are Cuban. So, yeah. you know, whatever you do, you're, <laughs> you're fine. You're Cuban. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. <laughs> I think that's very healthy. Yeah, it was. It's very healthy. You know, like, and my, you know, like a lot of Cubans are Republican, you know, mm-hmm. but like uh, my abuela and abuela. Ted fucking Cruz, man. Right. Ted Cruz. Also, Mark, uh, what is it? Marco Rubio. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's Cuban? Yeah. Why did yeah. I think he was South American? I don't know. I don't know. I thought he was Cuban because mm. I remember being like, "Wow, there's two Cubans running for the Republican presidential." I mean, a lot of South Americans are Republican. A lot of Peruvians yeah. are. I mean, my mom sometimes she probably won't listen to this. My yeah. mom sometimes edges in that direction. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. there's like a real like. I mean, uh, Central and South Americans are really used to like strong man authoritarian leaders. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes they respond more to like the conservative side. Right. Of this yeah. 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 Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. But, like, yeah, with us, it was, like, because, like, also, like, 
um, my abuela and abuela, like, we really are, like, not into racism. <laughs> like, we're just not for it. So, like, it wasn't like when my mom came home with a white boyfriend that they were like, that they were like, he can't be white! <laughs> you know? Like, that's, that's, like, pretty rare, though. Yeah, I know. For, for Latino people. I know, I know. And also, like, and also for, like, white people in the South. Mm. Like... <laughs> Yeah, you had a you had a potential for like a very violent racist cocktail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, it's not like there wasn't any of that. Of course, it, not. you know, like, there, I mean, it was more on my dad's side. Sure, I would say, because um, like, yeah, they were not they were not necessarily white Southerners. They're white. What Southerners. are you What are you going to do? And they're from the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, like, there's a lot there. There's a there's lot. a lot of adjustment periods. So there, you. Be, I'm curious where were when you were growing up. Because you're, I wouldn't say if I'm if I became like a really shitty mm-hmm. like casting director yeah. and I looked at you and I was just like I'm not sure what he is. Yeah, like I, I, think, I think you in have terms to, of casting, I go with ethnically ambiguous. Yeah, you have a pretty ambiguous look. But was it that way when you were a kid too? Uh, yeah, Did you it was. Find that you blended. There in, was or? one time. <laughs> This is so weird. One time uh, we did, like, a, like my class did, like, a sleepover party, like, at the end of the school year. Your class did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, like, I my mom was, like, a room mom, like, a volunteer. Got it. And so, like, I, my teacher was Miss Walton, and then, like, she... Shout out to Miss Walton. Shout out to Miss Walton. Um, she st- actually stayed with us for, like, another year, so we had it for third and fourth grade. Oh. Um, she just liked us so much. We, like, raised money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Nice. And we called ourselves the Walton Weenies. Like we were. <laughs> Please tell me because we used to have because we used to do like we used to do like all these sort of volunteer events. Like once a month, my mom was like leading an event for us to where we were like raising money for Make a Wish Foundation. Yeah. Because uh, one of like our family friends like had a son who like um, had like a terminal illness. Wow. Um, so like we raised money and um, and then like at the end of the year we did like this camp out. Sorry, this is like way too much information, but like um, Andrew, this podcast is it's all about information, information about you, right? <laughs> but like they were, there's like a recording of me talking to the camera of just talking about how like in the summer I get really brown, but in the winter I get really Aww. white. Like I'm like nine years <laughs> yeah. old. I was like, I was like, in the summer people think I'm from Pakistan, but in the winter <laughs> they think I'm from Spain. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. That's yeah. So, did you ever like catch shit from other kids? Because I'm assuming course, like well, Virginia kids were all over you. It's weird because okay, when you <laughs> that was when you're that ethnic, sentence out of context is a little when strange. you're ethnically ambiguous in a racist community. Um, <laughs> Let's you pretty much get every sort of slur that you can get. I want to <laughs> let everybody know. I want to let everybody know at home that like Andrew is like smiling very widely while saying this. He has a real. We've established. We do like stand up and comedy stuff together. Yeah, Andrew is the most talented person at like talking about horrible things, but like making it seem like it's like a story. Like book. it's fun. Like, <laughs> it's the best. Well, but yeah. I cut you off. So so people yeah. were like straight up throwing slurs at you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I've been called the N-word. Um, I've been, one time, I, you know, like, obviously I got the Latino slurs, sure. you know, like. Um, were you and getting, then You were getting wet back, I'm assuming? Uh, spick was what sure. I get. You know, yeah, like, yeah. every now and then. Like, just like, just, and it wasn't even, it was always like, it wasn't like a plan, it was never a planned thing. It's just like, in the moment, they were just like, they were just, because I was kind of dicky. Yeah. You know, so like, if I was being dicky, then I'd get, like, every now and then, if I was like dicky to like the wrong person, right. I'd get a slur thrown at me. Right. You know? 
Because um, like I was a smart ass, I thought I was smarter than everybody, and yeah, like so and I. people in the South hate that. Yeah, like they really. <laughs> yeah. <hate that. laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, they get that like you're not better than me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but I even one time a guy uh, he called me he called me a chink, and then and then I was <laughs> and you like, were like that makes no sense. Yeah, and I was like I'm not Chinese, you know. And then he's like, well, Korean or whatever. <laughs> And that was like that was what like the his fuck? attempt at like really understanding you. Yeah, <laughs> was so far off. You yeah. should rebrand yourself as Andrew Coulson, Korean comedian. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. And I know. I'm assuming that stuff because you stayed in the same school district all through high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I'm assuming yeah. that like. If anything heightened as you got older, it it's not like it heightened. Like it's like it's not like I was like being actively bullied. All of that stuff happened like just like in the moment. Like people were frustrated, and like I was. I also like didn't. I like was like in the smart kid programs, like the uh, the AP and the IB stuff. Yeah, and so like, and at my school, I, the IB program was like literally like twelve kids. Wow, and so like it was, I was like taking classes with the this. And by the time I got to high school, I was taking classes with the same twelve kids. Mm. And then like in elementary and middle school, I was in the gifted and talented program, so it was like a similar thing where it's like that was more like twenty five kids, mm-hmm. but like I had like the same people that I was with. Got it. And those people were generally like. Cool. Sure. You yeah. know, like, Gen- it was just the more. Generally speaking, this isn't a hard and fast rule, but generally speaking, higher levels of intelligence, generally speaking, correlate with slightly lower levels of outward racism. I yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not a little, that it's smart a, people aren't plenty racist. Right. Their racism is a little more low key and thought out. A little more Boston. <laughs> a little more Boston. <laughs> I went to Harvard. <laughs> Okay, so uh, so when does a, like a performing enter your life? Is it something you were doing as a kid, or yeah, I was always doing it. Um, do you remember how that do, sort of started? Yeah, I think the I did like a talent show, and mm-hmm. I like fucking loved it. Loved it. <laughs> do you I remember loved, what you did? Um, I don't even remember. I remember the first like big break for me was like I got to play Hansel in Hansel and Gretel oh, in the second grade, shit. and that was huge, yeah. huge. I got to wear later hosen. Oh like, my god! We did like oh my god! I got to like do musical numbers. It was fun, dude. Yeah. The power of school play of like doing a play, yeah, or a musical, whatever. When right. you're that age, like at a formative age, mm-hmm. I, I don't think people really. Like understand how big of a deal that is. For yeah, kids. it was massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we used to do talent shows. Like we did. Um, my brother and I. My mom like would choreograph dances with us. Mm-hmm. Like we did. Like um, my brother and I wore like full on Saturday Night Fever like disco outfits. You know, like the white pants mm-hmm. and the black vest. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we like did a dance to Staying Alive. And then we did and like tore down the house. And then we came back the next year with like three more people. And oh we did uh, Jackson Five ABCs. <sighs> Holy shit. Is there a video of this? I hope so. I don't know. I haven't seen it, so oh, I don't think there you is. you got to find that. You I gotta know. Find that. I know. Because that would be that would be like Facebook gold right there. <laughs> Put that gold on the book. <laughs> so performing clearly was like intoxicating. So when does like making people laugh specifically become like the, the thing? Um, I was always like... 
I guess, like, I was, uh, you know, the old story of uh, self-defense through humor, I guess. So I was course, always yeah. a really silly kid. Yeah. I was just always, I always really liked But I mean, we laugh. spent the last however many minutes of this podcast sort of establishing why. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, there's, like, a lot of, like, different things. Like, yeah, it was always kind of coming from a place of feeling like I didn't, um, like, I didn't fit in or didn't belong, which I feel like everybody experiences in some way or another. Sure. Um, but, like, yeah, but, like, I always, like, the strongest way I would identify was I was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I was, like, more than anything else, I was, like, I'm fucking funny. You so, know, like, and I would always do, like, goofy things. Like, in middle school, I used to do the, uh, what is it, Pee Wee Herman's playhouse you know like how they yeah. do the secret word of course yeah. i would like tell the entire class what a secret word was and oh then, my like, god if the teacher said it we'd all like go ah! it makes so much you were a Wee herman kid you were yeah i was a that makes herman so kid. much sense i don't know I why i've that. never made that connection yeah that makes i really so much like sense. i would say like formative influence would be uh, Pee Wee Herman and uh, John Stewart. <laughs> that is such a like beautiful way to coalesce your voice. Pee Wee Herman and John Stewart. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I never thought about that before. <laughs> uh, well, welcome yeah. to La Mescla, where we discover ourselves. Ah, yes, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, so cool. So when you're applying to uh, colleges, mm-hmm. uh, what are you are you looking to go to a place where you can do cool performance stuff, or yeah. are you sort of looking at like, I was. a fallback plan? I wanted to go to Emerson. Um, I didn't apply for a lot of schools because the applications were so expensive. Yeah. So I pretty much. I think I only applied to, I applied to like two places out of state and the rest of the places were in state. Like Mm -hmm. in Virginia, it was um, VCU, James Madison and Mary Washington, I think were the ones that were like good for theater. Yeah. Um, And then I also applied to like, um, uh, what is it? It's like the Columbia College of Chicago Performance School. I forget the exact name of it. I I didn't go there. It's a complicated (laughs) name. Um, But were you like, were you super gunning for the out of state schools? Yeah, the one I really wanted to go to was Emerson. That was the one I wanted to go to and I didn't get in out of high school so I spent a year at James Madison Mm. and I did like, I studied theater and history there and then transferred to Emerson and did my last three years of school there studying screenwriting. Oh, I never knew that. I didn't realize you transferred. Yeah, I did. Yeah. That's awesome. So what was, uh, talk to me about your experience at Emerson, being in Boston. Oh, dude, it was sick. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it got exhausting after I was a while. just up the road from you at the Big Dumb School. Yeah. <laughs> I refer to BU. BU. I refer to oh. BU as the Big Dumb one. Because Boston is. is a city full of colleges. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like all the other colleges, maybe not Northeastern, but it feels like all the other schools kind of have an identity. Like Emerson is like the kind of artsier one. Yeah. Harvard is fucking Harvard. Right. Uh, and is is yeah. math nerds. BC is like a Jesuit school. And BU right. to me is just like the giant dumb one. Oh, <laughs> no. There's I lots mean, of cool people from BU. Like sure. yourself. Oh, thank you, <laughs> I sh- I like don't identify at all. I was never a kid who like mm-hmm. had school spirit at any level of yeah, school. Like that right. was never going to be me. Like I've never found myself like needing to identify with an institution to be yeah. like, if anything I like rally against that so hard so mm-hmm. like I think I would pretty much shit on any school that I've ever taken classes okay. at <laughs> so sorry yeah. Edgemont High School <laughs> uh, what were we saying oh yeah uh, let's talk more about Emerson so you're you joined a sketch group there right yeah 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 it was uh, Emerson Comedy Workshop yeah. was that sort of like a feeling of finding your tribe uh, a little bit yeah yeah I mean like they, they 
I always was really, um, yeah, it was a little bit like that. Like, I needed, like, because we had, Emerson has, like, seven, at the time they had seven different sketch and improv teams, and I pretty much auditioned for seven? all of them. Yeah. Jeez, and Emerson's not that big of a school. No, it's, like, 3,000 students. Jesus. Like, it's just, like, there's, like, a high intensity on comedy there. Um, and, like, we actually, I think there's nine teams now. That's nuts. Yeah, it just, it's crazy. It's too much, really. But, like, um... Yeah, I got onto the team, and Emerson Comedy Workshop was basically the dirty team. Like, they were the people who did all of just the offensive. Just, I, it's just, it seemed to be um, a, a sketch team where people needed to air out their darkest demons. Um, I love that. Yeah. That has Andrew Coulson written all over it. Right. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, I joined it after the, my first semester, and then by the end of the year, I became, like, the president of the group, and then I was that for two years. Wow. And the whole time, I just wanted to rebrand us as weird instead of, like, Offensive, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course, of course. <laughs> I was like, let's be weird. Like, let's maybe not <laughs> do all this other stuff. And yeah. So at this point, because I know now, I because I've seen you like working stuff out about you and your identity and whatever. Uh, yeah. What, was that ever entering your work then, or was it sort of like I'm just focusing on being funny? Uh, yeah, it didn't enter into my work then. No, I would say like I was just focusing on being funny. Yeah. 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 So what do you think, um, because I've had a similar, like, anything that I've made or done uh-huh. pretty much up until the last year and a half, two mm-hmm. years, has had nothing to do with my identity or, like, how I right. feel about myself. What, what, what do you think has changed that you're now sort of ready to deal with some of that stuff and work that stuff out? I mean, it's what everybody wants. That's, like, what, that's what's selling these days. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> Everybody oh my god, that's the most honest answer anybody's <laughs> given on this. Every time I ask that question on the show, everybody's like, yeah, well, I think I've gotten older and wiser, and, you know, I just, um, I really, like, want to, I've been working through it in therapy and getting yeah, in touch with myself, yeah, and you're like, like, that's where the heat is, baby. No, I mean, like, our culture <laughs> is changing. Like, identity politics has become huge in the last five years, yeah, and then, yeah. like... It's like everybody you see coming up, like, does, you know, like, has to, like, touch on their identity. And then there's, like, this whole thing of, like, how do you feel about that? Do you sort of, like, resent that you have to do that? Or, I mean, no, I don't resent it. Like, I just, it's more like in the last, I would say, what's changed for me in the last two years or so, or, like, even just this last year, is like, there's, like, an element, there is, like, a resentment to it. Because it's, like, you are kind of aware of what people are eating up. Like, if you look around yeah. and you see what people are doing and what's working for people, you know, like, um, you can see, like, there's not, like, a lot of variation, yeah. you know? Um, you know, like, there's I, variation in the specifics, but, like, in terms of what people are doing. What they're talking about. Right, what they're talking about. Like, the subject matters that people want to hear, you know, like, because, and it's, it's a lot because of, like, of the way our culture has changed entirely since Trump has become elected, you know, like, um, you know, so, um, I don't know. I'm like losing my thought here. Oh, no, (laughs) I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. I I feel a lot of the same way sometimes. I mean, granted, the show is entirely about identity, uh, but, um, I, I sometimes feel that way that we're sort of, especially for, you know, artists of color, and people like me that are, like, not that, but are, like, kind of edging towards that. It's yeah. like you're, It's sort of like you have to find your lane within that world of, yeah. of identity comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, whatever you want to do is, like, not 
what people are looking for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, shit, right before this, I told you about an audition where mm-hmm. I literally had my identity <laughs> challenged and brought up in a very public and embarrassing way in yeah. front of an audition room. It's uh, so awkward. Yeah. And a casting director who will remain nameless. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I literally, before this, I came from a, a commercial audition where I had to uh, be bilingual, and the casting director came into the room, turned to the assistant, and just went, make sure he speaks Spanish he needs to prove it. It was so nerve-wracking and crazy. That's insane. Uh, but that's off-topic. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying. That yeah. I don't necessarily, because I think I've spent most of my life not dealing with my identity or anything yeah. like that. I think for me personally, it's a productive thing. Yeah. But it sometimes can feel like I'm forcing my ideas into this stream that everybody's swimming in. Yeah. I think, like, the other thing for me is, like, um, I've been aware that, like, you know, like, who you are. Like, I mean, like, because the identity stuff is a little bit new, but it's not that new, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, like that's always been a part of comedy. It's just, like, had a little bit more focus in recent years. I've just always, like, I've had trouble being vulnerable on stage or seeing the value of it or feeling like I'm being manipulative, you know, like you, or, like, I'm using my, like, exploiting right. my identity or something like that. Right, like, you sort know? of um, sacrificing, like... <clears throat> joke structure right. for like pulling at the heartstrings. Right. Of. Yeah. Yeah. So like that was always so like I always felt like a little weird about doing that and like I never wanted to like put my you know like to put myself out there like that. So like another reason is like you know because like to see other people do it to see it work you yeah. know it enc- it encourages you. Yeah. And like and I think it's ultimately a good thing you know like I know I gave kind of a cynical answer but like. Um, I think it's ultimately a good thing because, like, I don't think I realize, like, that, like, I have, like, some weird shame associated with, like... Dude, me fucking too. Yeah. Like, you know, like, because it's, like... Do you bring it, if you bring it up, are you exploiting yourself, you know, like in your identity? You know, like yeah. that's that's the thing that always had rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Or if you, if you bring it up, even if you're bringing it up in a truly honest yeah. way that's real to you and is doing something for yeah. you, are they that are watching this or whatever the industry, the mm-hmm. people, power brokers, yeah. like are they exploiting it? Uh, right. Is, is yeah, answer. that too. Yeah. But I think what I found is that like... Now that, like, I've actually started to, like, dabble in it a little bit more and, like, explore it a little more is that, like, it, it, the reason it works is because, like, it helps people. It's healing. Like, you know, like, because, you know, like, the shame that you feel is not just yours, you know? Like, um, so it's, like, once you open up about that stuff and it's, like, if you're just being real, like, nobody can, like, you can be judged for it. But, like, nobody can disagree with you, to, right. you know? So yeah. it's, like, because it's just, like, what's happened, you I know? I think, like you said before, that speaks to sort of how the culture's turned ever since yeah. uh, Fuckface got elected. Right, That yeah. we're sort of looking for our art to be more healing yeah. than we used to uh, yeah. look for it to be. We need to be a little bit more real, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because it's, like, it's like, all right, we've been doing this phony shit for decades. Yeah, yeah Like, yeah. and look at where we are now. Yeah. You know, because people don't know their ass from their mouth. Yeah. Like, yeah. So is that, do you feel like is that sort of your, or I'm, I'm not going to try to box you into an answer. Yeah. What do you feel like you're, um, as far as the stuff you're writing, whether it be comedy or something else, like mm-hmm. uh, if you had to sort of put uh, some kind of a mission statement on it of like what you want your stamp to be of your art, like what, what do you want that to be? Yeah. I mean, I guess like... Um, 
I've had a couple, you know, like, it's easier when you hear somebody else say it, you know? Of course, yeah. So, like, the things that I've heard people say are, like, like um, uh, one that, like, I like to be silly and absurd with bleeding moments of honesty, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I like to, and then, like, and then there's also just, like, that, like, I can just give the worst news with a huge smile on my face. Yeah. Um, like, I'm just a bad, I'm bad news Colson. Yeah. I like to just tell that. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And, like... <laughs> And, like, it's kind of, like, anti-punchline, like, where it's just, like, it, it's also rooted in, like, something that my abuela used to, my abuela always says to me, um, and what, I forget the exact, it's, like, uh, con tragedia, comedia. You uh. know, like, so, like, with tragedy, you have comedy. Yeah. So, like, so, like, a lot of it is, like, I'm telling people these, like, hurt, like tra- traumas and tragedy. Yeah. And I'm telling it, like, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> you know? really fucking good at it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love that that comes from your abuela, yeah. too. But that also comes from, like, a real place inside of me. Yeah. Where, it, you know, like, and that's why, like, it works is because it's real. You know, like, I really would talk about, like, because, like, I can't just be, like, this is the sad things that happened to me and it makes me sad. Right. Because, like, that's inherent. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I feel <laughs> like, the same way. Yeah. I feel the same way. And part of it is that, like, I, for whatever reason, through whatever, through my family traumas, is, like, I, I refuse to let a sad moment sit without me like deflecting it into some sort of joke or bit like I just have to I have to deflect I just have to even like back when like I've mentioned it enough times on this podcast that maybe people are sick of it but like even back when I was like younger and my dad died I like found myself because everybody else was like so like histrionic and like distraught Mm -hmm. and stuff and I was obviously like very sad and broken up but I found myself like just trying to break the tension yeah like just trying to get people to like take a goddamn breath I know yeah yeah, because you need that. Like, you need to, like, yeah. it can't be high-intense stress all the time. It you really need to can. relax sometimes. Really like, but then sometimes it goes too far in the other direction. You're like, oh, have I ever felt a, have I felt a genuine emotion in the last six years, or have I just turned them all into bits? Oh, yeah, no, there is that, too. Yeah, you have to deal with your, with your emotions. <laughs> like, at some point or another. You can't avoid it for years, though, but, like, eventually... Yeah, I've, I've done it. Yeah. It'll catch up to you in weird ways. I know, yeah. You'll, like, you'll end up sitting on the uh, curb of 29th Street and yeah. 10th Avenue uh, in tears. Yeah. Uh, not really knowing what's happening. Yeah, like, whenever I start crying when I think about something, then I'm like, well, I should probably deal with this. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, like, thinking of a memory and being like, oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Oh, so do you uh, do you see yourself uh, in your in your art uh, in your artistic uh, a career moving forward, bringing trying to engage with the Cuban side a little bit more, or just sort of keep doing what you're doing? There's like, no what do you wrong, mean? Like, I don't know. Like bring subject matter wise, like bringing in that uh, part of your life a little bit more. Or, I mean, I don't know, like. It's funny you ask because, like, this week specifically, like, I started working on a new set about my family because I did a show, um, like, it was, like, a comedy show where, like, you're supposed to talk about your family. Yeah. And, like, I don't normally talk about my family on stage. You know, like, I'll make references to, like, my race and ethnicity or whatever. But, like... but, like, I don't usually talk about my family specifically, so, like... Me neither. I mean, that show we did on Tuesday was the first time I've talked about my family. Yeah. On stage ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a... It's, like, um... It's a cool territory to go down, but it's also, like, really stressful. Because, like, um... You know, like, um... 
you know, like in the same sense where it's like, I don't want to feel like I'm exploiting myself. I don't want to feel like I'm exploiting my family yeah. members. You know, like that's shitty. Yeah. Um, you know, but like it's also like you have to explore these things on stage. You know, like in, if I'm in a basement with 25 people, that's not the same as like, right. you know. Um, something with more exposure on a wider net. You know, like, right. I think you have to work those things out. And I think it's better to work it out than, like, to be afraid to do it. Right. Even I'm if a, it doesn't yeah. end up being in your, like, HBO special yeah. at some point down the line. Like, right. the fact that you're working it out to five people in a basement somewhere is a good thing. Exactly. Yeah, like, you can't, like, it's better to, like, to just go too far than to be, like, than to not do it because you're scared you're going to go too far. I'm like I'm definitely of the mindset of like if you're scared to do it you should definitely do it. Yeah. Um but like in terms of like talking about my Cuban side more like I don't know if something comes up that I think is funny I'll probably do it. Yeah. You know. Dude, like, I would I I think I would die if you got on stage in a like in a suit and tie mm-hmm. and did like your Ted Cruz. I think <laughs> my Ted Cruz. I think that would be Oh my god. The funniest thing that's yeah. ever happened to the universe. Just like a loud screaming Ted yeah. Cruz. I I do love to do impressions of my abuela. I think, like, when I did improv, um, uh-huh. like, I would always do impressions of my abuela, which, yeah. like, nobody else knew, but, like, I knew. That's so funny. <laughs> I never do that, and I've seen you do yeah. tons of improv shows. Yeah, like, whenever I do, like, an old Spanish lady, that's my abuela. That's amazing. She's just so awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. That's great. Uh, she, yeah. like, like uh, what is it? I, this was, like, a big joke with Nemesis, um, my old improv team. But, mm-hmm. like, um, was, like, I told them one time about how my abuela wants a gazebo. And the way that she talks about having a gazebo is, like, <laughs> ah, a gazebo. <laughs> Oh, Andrew, I want a gazebo in my backyard. You know, like... <laughs> now that I hear you do that, I definitely have seen you do that on stage a bunch yeah. of Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, I feel like the, I would probably have a similar answer to this question that you would, and I think this is a trend among many of our peers, like mm-hmm. people that we've come up with in the comedy yeah. community. Yeah. Uh, why the shift away from improv? Oh, the shift. I mean, I, uh, well, sure. I, I mean, like generally speaking, as an artist, as opposed as an to like artist, specific things. I mean, like, like everything you do as an artist is somewhat ephemeral, and uh, I think improv is um, a little too ephemeral. I yeah, found that's, uh, that's what I'm feeling right now. Too. Yeah, it's like meaning like there's no like it's improv is only really good for you. Like, it's a good workout. Like, it's good for your mind. It's good for your creative uh, creativity. It's good for, like, opening yourself up, you know, like, and also, like, breaking down some fears you might have, like, right. about being on stage. And it's like, what do I do? Like, if you learn how to, like, fill 25 minutes when you started with nothing, right. like, you'll be good. Yeah. Like, as a comedian. Um, but it's, like, it's also, like, if that's all you're doing, like, it's kind of, like, I mean, like... You know, like, there's, like, what, 12 successful improvisers on, in this country? Like, yeah. it's, like, it's not, it's not, like, I guess, like, I... It's a matter, of, it's a matter of what you want to do. A lot of the money in improv is in coaching. 
you know? All of them. Like, as in training. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's very few who make money based on their performances. Or, like, festivals is another way to make money. I guess, like... Yeah, but even even if you're touring festivals, you you make your money because you teach a workshop at that festival. Yeah. I think... uh, Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. So I think, like, money is the reason why, like... And it's not like I'm making more money as a solo performer, but it's, like, it costs money to be an improviser. You have to pay for coaches. You have to pay for the training. Um, and it's like and if you yeah. transition into stand, like I kind of transitioned into stand up out of necessity because like I used to do stand up and then I started doing improv and I stopped doing stand up and then like a year ago when like Reckless closed, mm-hmm. then I was like, all right, because like that I could kind of justify doing it when I was at Reckless because like at the time I thought that like that theater was going to grow and that like that was like a big opportunity and I was there from the ground up mm-hmm. could have made a name for myself <laughs> now it's just sort of humiliating yeah, um, but I, like yeah, I rarely bring it up I rarely I know bring it up. right <laughs> I know um, but like yeah so then like once that theater closed though like. Um, I kind of just had to, like, reevaluate, like, what do I want? You know, like, it's like, yeah. I want to, you know, I want to be successful. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, you I, I'm, and you kind of have to de- learn how to depend on yourself. I agree with where you. I'm at and with also that. for the simple fact that, like, what after you do, you could do your best fucking improv show you'll ever do. And, and like people are like weeping of right. joy in the audience, and like everybody in yeah. the New York comedy community, like UCB crowns you the king of comedy forever, yeah. right. and you'll have nothing to show for it. Yeah. <laughs> like you, I mean, like you won't have this even thing like that you in can this show conversation people. we're having right now. Like I'm talking about like doing the set on my family, and it's like it's like I don't mind doing that for 25 people because I know that in the grand scheme of things, it won't. It's like it's only a, like a small percentage of like what of you know like of like your work. You imagine a when you like when you do that it's like you imagine like it's like oh i can do this in this room because like i don't necessarily have to do it later when like i hit like right. a really pinnacle moment in my career <laughs> yeah. but like whereas like with improv it's exactly like you're saying like you have that moment and it's like it only lives with like the people who are in that room right you know and then yeah. like you know yeah and then they like they might remember you yeah. And there's also, like, not that, like, the stand-up community and the sketch community aren't insular, but, like, the improv community is insular in a way that is, like, super unattractive to me. Yeah. I'm just shitting on improv now. <laughs> it's all right. I think, I think it's. I think it's good for. I think it's good for the people who are doing it. Absolutely, and yeah. I still do it from time to time. Yeah. Um, but it's not like my main focus. Right. Um, but like when I look back on my improv on my improv career, when I look back at my time in the NBA, yeah. Uh, uh, my favorite improv shows or moments in improv shows have been times where I've like. Uh, Times where I was a little selfish, and yeah. times where I like talked about myself or like brought up my identity a little. Uh, oh, that was like those were bad moments in improv. No, those were my favorite moments. Oh, your favorite. That, moments. That sorry, I've done. sorry. Yeah. Uh, so that I think that was part of uh, for me mentally, like shifting away from it was like, well, if that was your favorite part of it, just go do that and right. like, don't deal with the parts of it that you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get a little bit more control outside of improv too. Yeah. yeah. We're just a couple of yo-yo control freaks. A yo-yo! We should just mention that straight up, because we're winding down on time. Yeah, we're uh, getting into conversations about stand-up and improv. We got Well, it's, <laughs> you know, that's part of it. Yeah, like, no, I, of course, I of course. mostly talk to, uh, I exclusively thus far have talked to artists, so, like, I want to talk right. about, like, cool. the field. Yeah. Uh, but also, Andrew and I, and this, I'll put this in the intro, too, but, like, Andrew and I, along with the lovely Genevieve Wilson, oh, we love host, Genevieve we, Wilson. I love that Genevieve. <laughs> Genevieve, uh, I 
this is a straight up test of whether or not you'll listen to this. Too. Yeah. So if you listen to this, text us and tell us. Yeah, please. <laughs> and text us the time code so that we know yeah, it's real. Right. Uh, we host a show, a variety show called Oyoyo at Lucky mm-hmm. Jacks every month, mm-hmm. except for November. Yeah, we'll uh, be back in December. We'll be back in December, and it's oh man, it's a crazy show. It is my favorite show that I've ever worked on. Ooh, mama. Oh, I think it's mine, too. Yeah. It's just fucking bonkers. We write crazy songs. Yeah. Uh, between the th- between the three of us, we end up making like something like 25 to 40 minutes of new material every month. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's a beautiful thing to me. Because yeah. that's exactly what I'm trying to do right now. Yeah. Uh, so, so everybody, come to Oyoyo. This will be in the intro and the outro, too. Uh, cool. So we're like pretty much uh, we're 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 looking down the barrel of a uh, the end of this. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> Where are we gonna kill I'm ourselves? Not, I'm, I'm not feeling like recording. I'm not feeling like an amazing host. I'm still tripping no, out over good. this fucking audition that I can't. No, do. I know that was so. I can. I hate it when things like that. One time, like I was it's just like I'm still like, yeah. vibrating about it. I got like stopped by the cops on my way to like a play one time. Oh no, like, that I was gonna be acting in. Oh shit! And it just like it rocked. It like wrecked my nerves. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was like this was like Boston. That like, fucking blows, oh my man. god! That fucking blows. Yeah, like they oh oh that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like but like things like that. Like yeah, when you get like those like stressful moments, that can like you carry them with you. You yeah. you don't want to, but you kind of like you know what'll you know what'll help yeah. you let go of it. Uh, a star is born, uh, guys. Right after this, Andrew and I are going to see a star is born. I'm on the deep Oh my god, Lady Gaga just walked into the room. <laughs> Andrew, thank you so thank much. Thank you for so being much. Here. This I appreciate so being here. Everybody, please uh, book Andrew on all your shows and check out all his shit uh, and hire him for stuff and give him money. Oh, God, give me money. Give him money. <laughs> just give this boy money. I think that, yeah, I love to do your show. I like to do silly shit. <laughs> Okay, thank you, Andrew. Say something clever. Ava ba 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 ba. And that's it for this week's episode of La Mescla. Thank you so much to Andrew Colson. Uh, thank you to Simple Studios for letting me record there. You guys, I started recording in a studio. It's made minimal difference because I still have a very cheap microphone. But at least you can't hear bachata music every every 20 minutes. Uh, thank you to uh, Matt Suarez for the music, to Esther Burke for the visual art. Uh, thank you uh, to God. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. That got weird. Uh, if you like this show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, do yourself a favor. To put your phone on airplane mode for like three hours and like uh, do some shit in the outside world. Uh, sometimes I do that because it's nice. Okay. Bye. Bye.